Hello, and welcome to episode two of my podcast, What's Next? Conversations with Boomers. This is Barb Damaray, and I am so glad you've joined me. Today, the topic is learning to thrive after the death of a spouse. So, in February of 2017, my husband Serge passed away after a struggle with a rare form of cancer that went on for three and a half years. Suddenly, I was a widow, which was not the plan. We would have been married 32 years that April. For almost a year, beginning with the evening Serge died, I had my daughter Claire living with me. She had broken up with her boyfriend, who she'd been living with, and had asked if she could stay with us until she found a new place. Little did we know the timing was perfect. It turned out to be a nice transition for me going from being with someone every day to being alone. I remember thinking to myself soon after Serge's death that my happiness is now up to me. I can either wallow in my grief or face my new reality and get on with life, albeit completely different from what I'd envisioned. I chose the latter. I knew it wouldn't serve me to be constantly wishing things were different, although of course there were and still are many days those thoughts go through my mind. I don't want to have to make this decision on my own, or I wish you were here to share this experience with me, and I'm mad that you're not. Let me focus on the pluses and not the minuses, I said to myself. Suddenly, I had freedom to do whatever I want with the house. No negotiating required. I can buy whatever food I want and turn on the TV when I want or not at all. I spent the first couple of years getting all the home improvements done that I'd been wanting for a long time. I was going to spend many, many hours in the house alone. I may as well make it a warm, inviting sanctuary to come home to. That's what I decided. My friends were invaluable, as there isn't a day that goes by that I don't give thanks for the many, many long-standing friendships that I have. I always had a life outside my marriage. My husband, Serge, didn't have the same social needs that I had, so most of my socializing was with my friends, which he was just fine with. In 2018, I decided I really needed to meet other people who understood my situation. That being someone who was suddenly without their life partner after 30 plus years of marriage. We still loved our spouses, so I felt we were in a different position, although there are many parallels from people who had divorced. I decided to form a widow's group through Meetup. We met every two weeks at a nearby coffee shop. It was perfect. I met several people, two in particular, who have become good friends. Kelly Riley is one of those women, and I invited her to come on the podcast and share her experience and talk about how we can thrive after the death of a spouse. So here's our conversation. Kelly, thank you so much for agreeing to come on and talk about this subject which can be difficult but we're going to try and make it light-hearted how are you i'm good i'm good and thank you for inviting me and i just want to say that i'm really excited for you with your new venture and your podcast and i wish you all the luck in the future 
Oh, thanks, Kelly. And and congratulations to you, too, because I know you started a website. So, yes. Yeah, I did. Hey. Yeah, so I started a website called themobilesenior.ca, and it's basically um, for me to do blog posts about what I do as a senior, hopefully as a mobile senior, and I'm out when I'm out and about, and, and then I'm writing about it. There's lots of pictures. In addition to that, um, I also have a big section on my website that lists uh, seniors' discounts. And it's kind of nice. I've categorized it by restaurants, golf courses, community centers, etc. So people can go there and find out if there are seniors discounts. I encourage people to go to my website and also to subscribe because if you subscribe, then you'll be getting my newsletter on a regular basis telling you what's new on the website. And again, just in case people missed it, it's called themobilesenior.ca. Great. Good on you. Okay, so Kelly, how long have you been a widow? So I'm coming up to six years, June 2015. So was it unexpected? Was it expected? It was totally unexpected. It, we went to bed one night at 11.30 and he was gone by 2.30 in the morning. He died in the middle of the night. Um, it was a massive heart attack and or stroke, they really don't know because they never actually did an autopsy, but um, he just, it just happened. He actually just catapulted out of our bed and I thought he'd fallen out of bed. And I started to laugh and said, you know, Mike, you've just fallen out of bed. And then when I realized that he was not responding to me, which he would have done, I immediately jumped out of bed, ran around to the side of the bed and realized that there was something seriously wrong because he wasn't responding to my voice. And then it just went from there. I called 911, the paramedics arrived. They worked on him for about an hour, but he was gone. Such a shock. It was an absolute shock. It was an absolute step. Sudden, unexpected death. He was 65, um, still working full time. Uh, he was a lawyer that had, he had his own practice his, his clients were other lawyers. He did research for lawyers. And I have three adult children who live in the Lower Mainland. I was able to call them and they all came what felt like within five minutes. It wasn't, it was probably about an hour. And, um, mm -hmm. and then, yeah, and then I just had to get my mind wrapped around the fact he wasn't there anymore. Yeah, and you know, we, we replay those first hours in our head a lot and, and we do. you know, they become indelible. Yeah, yeah. And um, I think I was in a state of shock probably for several months. I, I would almost liken it to like a PTSD kind of response. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, and I think that's exactly what it felt like. Um, but, you know, I also had to, I had to do like what you said, you know, get up every day and put one foot in front of the other because my kids were just shattered by their dad's death. Oh, and yeah. they were equally um, shocked and in disbelief. And I knew I couldn't just fall apart <laughs> for them mm. as well. So I was, I, I was strong. But having said that, they kept me strong. 
And I was, you know, we, I was very lucky that I had them close by. They didn't live in other cities. And uh, so they were just a phone call or text away. And they were always kind of in my face, you know, checking in on me and doing all of that kind of thing. So that really, really got me through the first year. Um, and, you know, that's really all I can say about that part of it. It's, you don't, you don't get used to it. Uh, you get used to being alone. Uh, which mm-hmm. I have now gotten used to being alone um, and kind of learned my learned how to sort of navigate that. And, um, but I was also very independent. And so um, it wasn't a huge difference for me in terms of my social life either. Like I had always been kind of out and about on my own as well as, but it was just the companionship that, you know, that I was used to having somebody around all the time and having somebody to eat dinner with and having somebody to travel with all of those kind of things was the biggest adjustment for me. I would say for the first year, everything was still sort of a blur. And like when I look back now on that first year, I can't really remember a lot of details. Um, So I think it is very much almost like a, an out-of-body experience in a way. And I think it's the grief and the shock. And that's why I sort of alluded to PTSD, um, because I think it is very similar to what people go through when they have a traumatic, and it is a traumatic experience, and but maybe not recognized as such. We expected we had another 20 years together. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. It was about a year, I think, before I kind of woke up one morning and thought, I don't feel so bad today. Yeah, I felt I I'd remember just feeling this enormous, enormous void. Serge was such a big presence in our family. Uh, you know, he took charge of a lot of things. Plus, he was a you know very tall man, and I'm a small person. And he was you know a master organizer, and I, he just he just was a big presence. And all of a sudden, he's not here, and. You know, I I remember, you know, sort of, I don't know, three weeks or so after saying, okay, you've been gone long enough, get back here. You know, this is, this is, this is enough. This is crazy. Get, get back here. And, but, you know, for me, because I had Claire living with me for that first, it was, you know, almost a year and I, she was yeah. getting ready to move out, which was completely appropriate. And, but um, I, I had a panic attack. I, cause it suddenly hit me. Oh, Okay. I am alone. I, 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 and I remember I was having some people over for dinner. It was actually work colleagues of Serge's and I, I was, you know, in a complete panic and I thought, I can't do this. I just can't do it. And then, you know, okay, get yourself together, (laughs) do what you need to do to calm down. And it turned out really well, but you know, slowly it's a, it's a process, right? Kelly, it, it, uh-huh. to, to sort of, um, yeah. And I don't think you should expect much of yourself in the first year. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, I, I would sort of cut like, myself some slack. And, yeah, yeah, reduce your expectations. Exactly. So, so Kelly, at some point, did you create a vision of what you wanted your new life to look like? I don't think I was that organized. <laughs> no, I think I just kind of, fumbled through it all (laughs) and it kind of just uh, like I don't think I actually ever sat down and I am a pretty organized person and I do 
like to have visions of things that I want to be happening. But as far as my life is concerned, I was just kind of taking it day by day. Yeah, yeah. So have, have you found yourself doing things or going places that you probably wouldn't have done with Mike? No, I don't think that part is that much in my life. Hmm. Yeah, yeah. Being married or being two, two in a partnership never really stopped me from doing things. So, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I understand what you're talking about as far as the freedom is concerned, because it is freedom to make your own decisions about what you want to do and where you want to go and what you want to eat and all of those kind of, that's absolutely crucial for me now. And I almost mm-hmm. can't imagine what it would be like having to answer to somebody else um, mm-hmm. to, to take that away. But uh, no, I don't really, I didn't really feel a sense of relief or freedom or any of those kind of feelings. I don't remember that. I think it was already there. Yeah, it's interesting you say that because as I mentioned in the beginning, um, I I had quite a social, an active social life myself, like with my women friends that, that was outside my marriage that, you know, Serge was completely fine with. I think that that helps, don't you? That, yes. That, you know, it's not, it's obviously, it's an enormous adjustment, but um, as opposed to people who their main companion for everything is their spouse or their partner. So how has that been as a single person? First of all, the reason why I started to travel, I started to travel about six months after he was gone. That was my first trip. I did it mainly because he and I used to do a lot of traveling together. It was one of the things we really enjoyed doing. And I just absolutely wasn't ready to stop traveling and I thought so what am I going to do am I going to find somebody to travel with which was always a possibility maybe find a girlfriend or somebody who you know had the same kind of interests as me and I just kind of racked my brain and even though I have lots of friends and family and I just couldn't think of anybody that I wanted to spend 24 7 you know for three Mm -hmm. weeks together and I was just really worried about not being able to do the things I wanted to do when I traveled so I just bit the bullet and said okay I'm doing this alone and again I started a website um, with a with a blog um, that was tied into that was called go solo go happy and so I wrote about my travels so it kind of gave me a reason to sort of put on paper which is a really good way of organizing my thoughts and also it was a way to organize my pictures and so Mm. it it gave me a reason to travel alone and I wasn't skittish Um, In fact, I was kind of excited about the notion of being alone. Um, So off I went. And then I just started traveling about every six months after that until COVID hit, of course. And then I haven't traveled since for a year and a half now. Right, right. But I'm sure there's, there's plans in the works for the next trip. I'm thinking... Yeah, I'm still a little bit nervous about the idea of traveling, though, with COVID and all of those type of things going on. So I, I'm not ready yet, um, even though I've been fully vaccinated. I'm not I'm not ready to go ahead and make that jump yet. You're an inspiration, Kelly, truly. I mean, I know people listening to this will be inspired by your story and your courage um, and your, you know, your, your upbeat um, attitude your positive attitude, it's it's admirable. What would be the best piece of advice you'd give a newly widowed widowed person? You know, I 
I don't know what I would say to somebody because everybody is so completely different and yeah. everybody, everybody's case is completely different. I think for me, it was like to find something like in my case traveling, but with other people, it might be something else, you know, um, a new hobby, um, socializing, doing something. I think it's important to get out of the house and to, you know, to not, to try not to stay home too much and be alone too much. Um, I think your mind plays tricks on you when that happens and, and you can just go a little bit crazy too. So it does help you to get out and about. I, I think that would be, that would be the advice I would give somebody. Although I know in some cases people are, it's just too difficult for them to do that. Yeah, there is no formula. There is no right or wrong way to grieve. I mean, everybody, you, you're right. Everybody does it differently. Um, but you were a regular part of our meetup. You mm-hmm. were there every mm-hmm. two weeks. It was it was so great having you there. I you know I know that it really helped me a lot. Yeah, and I just love the concept, the way you framed it, which is that you wanted to meet with people who understood what you were going through, and that's exactly right because I think some people. Like we are a, a special type. We are widows and mm-hmm. we are people that, you know, we left, our spouses left us not through anything that, that we did. And um, like a divorce situation, I think is a bit different. And um, so how do you kind of move on from there? And it, it was tremendous to meet both you and Jennifer and all of the other people in the group um, because you were, you were all like, we were all sort of in the same boat. So I would exactly. say we were like-minded people and we could talk about you know, things that were bothering us or weren't bothering us or what we were doing, um, but sharing with people who understood Yeah, it was like, great. what it's like not to have a partner anymore. Yeah. I, I remember that first meetup that we had and we all left the coffee shop together. And I remember feeling we are all going through the same thing you know, all of these people that are with me right now understand what I've just gone through. And there was something about it that was really comforting. Yes, exactly. And, you know, um, it, it also, I mean, I think also everybody's situation is different. I, I never felt that I was completely alone as I don't think you, because you have your adult kids and, So, you know, I mean, I just can't even imagine what it would have been like to go through something like that without having my kids around. And so I I consider myself really fortunate. And uh, so we could help each other and give each other hugs when we needed it and just kind of prop each other up. Yeah. So, I mean, I think childless widows, it must be more difficult for I would think so. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. As we were talking, you did sort of allude to, you know, I can't imagine having anybody else in my life right now. Um, and, uh, you know, I'm, I'm kind of in the same position. I'm quite enjoying my freedom and, uh, yeah. you know, don't really feel like giving that up right now. I mean, who knows? But but it feels good right now just to be... Yeah. You know, you know, going through life on my own with my friends and family. So yeah, and I, I would, I would echo you too. I, I feel the same way. I'm not desperate to find anybody else to share my life. However, I'm not going to say that I'm not. It's not never going to happen. It might. Um, but yeah, my my life feels very full. It was not something that I expected to feel. Um, 
in say the first year after the death. I never thought that I would, my life would feel very full again, um, but it does. And, uh, and it's, it's mainly because I've, I've, I've filled it. I've filled it with yeah. things, things to do, things that I like to do, um, a brand new apartment, which I love, all of those kind of things that just kind of are for me. Yeah, and you've done such a good job of it. And we do, you know, we, we realize, okay, this is up to us, right? I can't, I can't sort of rely on people to, you know, um, know when I'm feeling down or know what I need. It's, it's, up, it's up to us. So. Right, right. Thanks so much, Kelly. I'm looking forward to listening to them. Uh, so keep me posted on everything. Bye-bye. Bye. One of the things that has become really clear to me as I'm going through what I would call a a journey of Mm self-discovery, when you're with somebody, at least this is, this was my case, uh, Serge and I had very different personalities. He was, you know, what a lot of people would describe as intense, Mm -hmm. serious, perfectionist, Mm -hmm. took life very Mm -hmm. seriously. And I didn't. And sometimes he was uncomfortable with my exuberance. And so I would kind of repress that part of me when we were in social situations Mm -hmm. um, or, you know, when the kids were around. You kind of rediscover these little pieces of yourself that you put aside. Right. Oh, right. That that is who I am. That that is that is a big part of who I am. I'm going to I'm going to reveal that side of me. I'm going to really be me mm-hmm. you know and I've had lots of situations like that where where I've totally let go and know that if Serge had been around he would have been really uncomfortable with mm-hmm. my with my exuberance did you ever talk about it or was it not like a conversation to have to be had it really wasn't mm-hmm. because I just I just sort of concluded that he he was uncomfortable letting himself go which which a lot of people are yeah and and i don't seem to have any problem with that it's so much so that you know i'll look back and think oh my god i really went overboard there i really (laughs) (laughs) i remember Serge saying one time to me cut the dramatics So I kind of okay. How dare oh, he? I got yes, I got the Okay, no dramatics. <laughs> <laughs> sir, no, sir. The side of him that I really, really miss. We did a lot of traveling and we uh-huh. loved doing it. And he was just a master planner. So mm-hmm. I, you know, I have to tell you, I didn't do anything because you just showed up. I just showed up. You know, what have you got planned for today? And I would just do it because he was so good yeah. at it. And yeah. everything went so smoothly. I mean, we'd get to the airport and he'd have all the documents. All I mean, it, it, everything was just, yeah, you know, Bree- easy breezy. Easy, you know, so who am I to argue? It was great. And I appreciated that. And just his very strong sense of responsibility, his mm. devotion to the kids. Mm. I've, I learned from him. I learned a lot of things from him. I tend to be a, you know, oh, it's good enough. And he was, no. <laughs> 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 Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, you got to make sure all your I's are dotted and your T's are crossed and, yeah. you know, check, double check and triple check. So we, we balanced these, each other off in, in, a, in a good way. Oh, that's lovely. What's Next is written and created by Barb Demeray. It is produced, edited, and engineered by Mella. 
Find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Stitcher, or wherever you get your podcasts. And make sure you subscribe to find out what's next. Conversations with Boomers.